Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. You may well hear some traffic noise as I do this. Um, sorry about that. Uh, not much I can do to stem the tide of human pollution. Um, but here we go. This is a poem called The Guest House by somebody fittingly entitled Rumi. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival. A joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honourably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, Meet them at the door, laughing, and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Welcome to Cop On Podcast, you little fried dumpling. My name's Owen, and I thank you from the bridge of my heartstrings for listening. You can block us on Twitter at CopOnPodcast. You can send us your Christmas list to CopOnPodcast at gmail.com or indeed you can support us via Patreon.com forward slash CopOnPodcast for as tiny an amount as one US dollar per month. Alternatively, you can simply write the words Listen to CopOnPodcast on as many banknotes as you can steal and see if they come back to you in the circulation of filth and degradation known as petty cash. Without stumbling any further, then, let's now crash headlong into this week's episode. Enjoy! So the final whistle has uh, just gone, just 15 minutes ago. I'm absolutely exhausted, but extremely delighted that uh, Ryan in the fair city of Liverpool and uh, Brian in Hong Kong and Fergus in Portugal are here with me and I'm in Spain. I don't know if it's echoier than usual, but that's the least of my worries. Fulham won, Liverpool won. Fergus, in the end, I'll happily take a point from that match. Likewise, yes. Uh, it, it was. I had a bad feeling about this match uh, going into it, which is very, very strange because... We are playing bottom of the table, or sorry, fourth from bottom. We were playing fourth from bottom, and everyone expected a bit of a cakewalk. But I did have a bad feeling about it. I don't know why. Um, the first 30 minutes kind of um, it played out that way. Fulham were excellent, I have to say. There's a guy called Joachim Anderson who was brilliant in, in the centre of the back three. All over the pitch, they were they were far better than us. I saw Klopp screaming and shouting, wake up, in the first 30 minutes. He was going crazy. We were, really were dreadful for those first 30 minutes. It's like we just got out of bed or basically the team was probably knackered after the efforts of the last eight to ten weeks. Um, but after all of that, yeah, I'd take a draw um, after the first 30 minutes. We were much better in the second half. I'd say, you know, uh, following that performance and that match, you know, I'd happily take a draw. 
Yeah, great answer. Um, uh, Ryan, um, it's, you know, there was a stat that uh, um, it, it was Liverpool's 21st game of the season and, and Fulham's 12th game of the season. Um, is that an excuse for such a, a lacklustre, sleepy, as Fergus said, first half? No, no, it isn't. Um, you look at the team that started against Michelin. There's only really Trent and Sava that play the 90. So I'm not an advocate that, that there's not enough legs in the team to, to put aside like Fulham to the sword. I thought, if anything, it was more an issue of attitude rather than fitness and that we just seemed a little bit complacent going into the game. Um, and I think that's reflected certainly by me as a fan. I thought we not necessarily just turn up, but I did think we put them... Uh, to the sword, give them a bit of a beating, come away with a 3-4, maybe even a 5-0 win. And it, it clearly, within the first 10 minutes, it was very evident that that wasn't going to be the case. Um, and ultimately, it's been quite a frustrating evening's work. Yeah, frustrating. I mean, that first half, a clock was going mad, as, as Fergus was saying. I was going absolutely... I was going absolutely nuts. It just didn't look like... I don't know. It it was like Villa all over again. But then in the second half, we improved a heck of a lot. And uh, you know, credit to them. But in the end, because there were there were basically well, basically everyone needed to up their game at half time, and they and they managed it. Um, Brian, is this just? It's just Liverpool. I mean, you know, if you look at our our, our away results, it's uh, I think it's win. Lost, sorry, one lost, drawn, 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 something like that. And uh, you know, footystats.org, um, they've got a prediction risk on every single team uh, in the Premier League, and they put Liverpool at a whopping 109%, which made me laugh, very high risk. Um, is this just Liverpool just being nuts as usual? Um, I don't know. I, I kind of believe, I, I kind of agree with the, the lads. Um, I, I think too many people were looking past Fulham and uh, onto the Spurs game, and you do that at your peril at, in this league. Um, I mean, just look at uh, Mitchelland, uh, the second half of that game. That was just a, a nothing game, but they were playing for their lives and, um, and, and showed it on the pitch, and then. I, I, we just didn't turn up. That first half was dreadful, absolutely dreadful. I was with Fergus. I could see Klopp just going batshit crazy on the sideline. I think he was having a go at Mo, uh, amongst other people, you know, and he was going, wake up, wake up. But it was just, um, I mean, I've said it a few times. Uh, I just think when we don't have intensity in our game, we we become a completely different side, and uh, we we were we were second to everything in in the first half. We were kind of they wanted it more. They were more robust in the challenges. They were more fearless. They were putting their bodies on the line, and they just seemed to have an extra man on the pitch. Like I was just, uh, I just, at one stage I had to count the heads. I thought there's, there's more Fulham players than there are Liverpool players. There was no space anywhere. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, I can't explain our away form. It's just one of those things, but I, 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 I had a really bad feeling about this game because everybody, all the podcasts or everybody was saying, Oh, it's going to be four. It's going to be five. It's going to be this. That. And they're the ones that always go tits up. Um, and if you've been watching Fulham uh, over the season, if you watch them play, they're, 
they really they do play some nice football um and the results you know really don't do them justice so i, I i'm with you i think it's a point gain in the end you know i i um we you know we we really didn't deserve I, I don't know if you could say we deserve to win even though we came on strong in the second half but yeah no, i mean i'm happy to get away from that place with a point yeah the well the xg is about equal um i just bring it up on my screen it's 1.73 xg for fulham and 1.82 for liverpool according to understat um but before we get into sort of a you know i, w- I was talking about this at midweek actually um you know in my job i was talking about quantitative versus qualitative analysis uh, so quantitative, if you didn't know, like I didn't, is when you take all the numbers and um, qualitative is when you sort of try to use that numbers. and uh, But sorry, outside of the numbers is when you try to use the information that you have. Basically, it's when you look at it. Um, <laughs> and I wonder if, um, you know, in a, on, in a qualitative sense, this, how the heck, Fergus, do we stop? being so you know uh, the first half it was just a load of bollocks qualitatively qualitatively speaking yeah i think as one of the lads said there it's um complacency going to the match um i do think that the 21 matches we've had so far compared to 12 i think you said owen i think that does make a difference um considering um, the demands on the players in terms of travel, you know. I know if I fly to Manchester or I fly further afield, I'm knackered for a day just after a three or four hour flight, you know. These guys are doing it once a week. Uh, they're doing a three or four hour round trip once a week on a plane. They're off in Europe and then they're back playing at the weekend and they've been doing that 21 straight games. So, you know, um, I think there's probably a bit of complacency, definitely a bit of tiredness. But after 30 minutes, they bucked up. And um, it's. Um, it ha- I think it's just one of those performances where we have to put it down to experience. I, I think in the second half, we probably deserved, you know, if, if we'd have got a 2-1 win, I think that, that would have been um, more deserved. But... Um, Getting away with the 1-1 is fine at this stage of the season. And we go into the Tottenham game uh, in a battle for top place. And at this point in time, I don't think we should have lost the four points we did lose at Brighton and, and at Everton. It was, really, it was quite unjust, actually, both of those results for various reasons. So we should be much better placed in the table than we are. And going into the game... Um, you know, we got a point out of it today and going in, into the game against Tottenham, we can go top. And I think we can't ask for much more than that at this stage of the season, considering how things have gone against us. That is very true. That is very true that we, you know, we can look on the bright side. We've played 12 now, um, won seven, drawn four and lost only one, despite all the adversity. Um, 25 points, equal top 
uh, on top of the table. Um, it's an interesting table, though. I mean, we're on 25, Tottenham are on 25, then Southampton 23, Chelsea 22, Leicester 21, but they've got a game in hand. West Ham 20, Everton 20, Man United 20 with a game in hand, Man City on 19 with a game in hand. And basically you're looking at possibly if United and City win their games in hand, you're looking at five teams separating, five points, excuse me, separating nine teams at the top of the league. But Liverpool to be up there, when you zoom out, um, it is... It is a wonderful position to be in. Of course it is. Of course it is. Um, but we've had the bad news that Jota, not only Jota is out for six to eight weeks, but Costas is also out. Uh, Simikas, I don't know if you saw that. Uh, James Pierce tweeted just before the game that uh, Simikas is also out for, for a similar period of time, according to Jurgen Klopp. It's crazy. It's crazy. So... Ryan, do we have to play the long game in this and just think, well, when we get our players back, when you consider that, uh, you know, God knows how many are out injured every single week, um, you know, we will absolutely wipe the floor finally with everybody and we just have to sort of roll with with the weirdness until then? Unfortunately, I don't think we can. Uh, The reason being, we've got so many games in the next six to eight weeks that if we wait for the likes of Jota and the likes of uh, Shimakas or Thiago or Milner or Oxlade-Chamberlain or Kaido, whether he's in now or whether he gets injured again relatively soon, or Shakiri uh, or Matip who came off today, which I'm sure we'll come on to, but I find quite worrying. Um, you know, we can't afford to wait for these players to come back. We have to find a way of continuing to get results. I thought our second half performance was fantastic because of it, it coming in the face of Matip going off injured, Henderson having to slot into centre-back with Fabinho. Uh, at one point, Nico Williams is our second most experienced actual defender on the pitch, which is mental. Um and we just have to keep finding ways to put 11 Liverpool players out on the pitch. And, th- and this is something that I've been really impressed with this season in that it hasn't really mattered who we've put out. There's been a sense of that Liverpool identity in the way that we play. And that's going to come in so handy over the next six to eight weeks when I, I feel like a lot of other clubs' injury lists are going to start to resemble ours in terms of the sheer numbers. And at that point, I think... The fact that we've got players like Reese Williams and Nat Phillips and Curtis Jones, who I thought was excellent, coming into the side, ready to play. Taki Minamino came off the bench and put in a really good shift as well. You know, the fact that we've got such great depth, we need to use that over the next six to eight weeks and indeed for the rest of the season, really. Yeah, it's a very interesting, very interesting answer. I mean, just looking at the matches over the next six to eight weeks, then um, it's uh, the thirteenth of December today. Um, in case you had forgotten, like me, uh, and it's so uh, after today we've got um, Tottenham, of course, at Anfield. Then we're away to Crystal Palace, at home to West Bromwich Albion. Away to Newcastle, away to Southampton and away to Villa in the FA Cup. Three aways in a row. Then at home to Burnley, at home to Man United. And that's the 16th of January. That's only in one month. And then if we carry on, um, then we've got an 11-day break before we play Tottenham again. So that's sort of... Uh, that's six weeks away on the 27th of January. We're playing Tottenham in the in the return fixture away. And then on the 30th of 
January, West Ham United away on the 3rd of February, Brighton at home, and then on the 6th of February, uh, that's um, Liverpool, Manchester City. Ooh la la. Um, you would hope, Brian, that it's more on the six week than eight week, because um, that's a heck of a lot of games. And uh, my question to you, Brian, is uh, do we need any centre backs in those games? <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. My my head's totally gone now when it comes to injuries. I have I have no I have no clue what we're going to do uh, over these eight weeks because. Uh, whilst you were talking there, I was just trying to think of, I didn't know that Costas was out as well. I mean, just the hits just keep on rolling and rolling. I've never known anything like it. It's just unbelievable. And I, and I know like the uh, pundits and media have mentioned, you know, they'd be giving us lots of plaudits about how we're managing to get through this. But I mean, the sheer volume of players, like backup players are gone, backup of backups are gone. I mean, who do we... Uh, Millie's gone. He can't play there either. I mean, who do we have that can play left-back? I mean, I don't know if Andy Robinson... Because Andy Robinson was all over the pitch tonight. I mean, I don't know if you noticed that. He was, he was showing up everywhere um, again. So, I don't know. I'm just going to take it one game at a, at a time. You know, what's next? Let's put the strongest team we can and win that game. I mean, I mean, the, the, the only... I mean, okay, there's lots of good things that have come out of this ridiculous run of injuries and whatever and that's the kind of that's the um the amazing performances of the young players um who i'm sure you'll talk about um later like curtis jones and uh nico who was exceptional when he came on um but i mean there's only so there's only so much this squad can take <laughs> i mean it's, it's 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 a miracle that we've managed to stay where we are we're still top of the league we topped our group in Europe um, and we're down, like we've gone past the bare bones. We're not even down to the bare bones. We just, we're just vapor, vaporware now. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm with Klopp. I'm just going to focus on one game, just focus on getting three points in that game and then focus on the next game and just see how we, how we go. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, as good a, an idea as any in this situation. I mean, uh, let's talk about the players and 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 how they performed today. Today, let's go from the uh, from the back to the front. Um, uh, I want to start with uh, with the goalkeeper Allison. He's back, Fergus, and he he made a couple of marvelous saves. I thought he was uh, he was really good. He was really assured. And if you know the one player who probably didn't need to up his game was Allison Becker, Fergus, as an ex goalkeeper yourself, what did you make of his performance? Yeah, well, I, you know, I did one day dream of playing for Liverpool, but uh, didn't quite make the grade at, uh, you know, beyond beyond school schoolboys level in Ireland. Uh, not no, not at all. But I did play organised football for about twelve years, and as a goalkeeper, and I, I, I really tried my best to make it as a pro, but I didn't even get a trial. So that's that's how life is sometimes. I blame the coaching. But um, in, in, you know, <laughs> plus my mentality, my mentality. I don't think. I mean, goalkeeping is all about mentality, really. Um, and you see that now that we have every kind of detail of every 
match and so many camera angles and we see every moment of every match. I mean, I'm 51, so I remember a time when we used to, um, we'd only see match of the day, we'd only see highlights. And then the FA Cup final, of course, the fabled FA Cup finals, you'd see the whole build-up and the whole match. And the international matches, the World Cup, you'd see the whole match. In fact, not every international match, but the World Cup. You'd see the European Cup final, but you wouldn't see the semi-finals live, you know. I'm from that era. But anyway, now you see every moment of every match and you can see how much mentality counts. And Alisson does have that mentality whereby he's so calm, so focused. Uh, and it's great to see Kieran Kelleher, who's, um, or Quivine Kelleher, uh, who's also from Cork, like me, um, doing so well. And he does have that calmness. Let's see, you know, it's very early in a goalkeeper's career whether he's going to make it to the very top and, and become Liverpool's first or second choice. Let's see. But he's done great so far. Alisson was brilliant today. Showed, showed why he's rated the best goalkeeper in the world. And even him in his career, who's only 27 or so, maybe, um, you know, still young for a goalkeeper. So he was fantastic today. Um, you know, just giving my quick appraisal, a run through the team. You know, Hendo did well, did great, um, stepping in at centre-back. Fabinho did, did pretty well today in a kind of a chaotic match. The two full-backs were, you know, were, were in it, but not really in an attacking sense as much as we'd like. Um, you know, it's, it's a shame, obviously, to, to, to lose Matip. And, um, and the, 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 midfield, the midfield was dreadful in the first half hour. And, and forward, you know, not, not much supply at all. And Bobby was hot and cold today. So it was, it was a rough game. It was a difficult game. Curtis was brilliant. I thought, um, just to summarise my appraisal of the team today, apart from Alisson, who, who made some brilliant saves, and the idea of the linesman not putting his flag up when it's an offside is really, it's kind of, you know, it's very, very postmodern that a linesman doesn't put his flag up when it's offside. So he made one brilliant save when it was offside, but he made other brilliant saves and it wasn't. Um, so he, he was great today. But I thought that between Curtis and um, Jordan, they ran the match today uh, from a Liverpool point of view. So, you know, you know, for me, I'd probably give Kurt and Jordan joint man of the matches um, and and the rest, the rest was just a bit forgettable, really. <laughs> well, yeah, fair enough. I thought Fabinho did well, though, as well. Um, at the back, I mean, you mentioned him uh, briefly. I thought, I mean, he was good. I mean, of course, Klopp was uh, moaning at him to move the ball a bit quicker. But uh, in general, he was quite dominant because Matip was, uh, was struggling back there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Ryan, Fabinho and... Matip and Henderson, if you count him as a centre back, as we will have to do now. Um, what do you think of them? Uh, you know, going forward, what did you think of them in this match? Uh, you know, solid enough or, or not really? But we might get, might have lots of trouble against Son and Kane. I'll come to Son and Kane in a minute. So Fabinho's fine at centre back, more than fine. Even we saw we saw from the Bayern game last season through Chelsea at the start of this season, that he's actually really, really good. His reading of the game's exceptional when he's in that position. Um, and th there's almost an argument to be made that it might actually be his best position, uh, which I think is, a, is a, an argument for another day, because right now it's the only one that we, we can actually play him in because we need him there. There's an issue with Matter keeping him fit long term. Is he going to be available for Tottenham? Probably not. 
do I want to see Henderson playing in, in defence against Son and Kane? Absolutely no, I don't. I'd rather see Nat, Nat Phillips play at centre-back than Henderson in that game, simply because we'd have to take Henderson out of midfield and we're not exactly flush with midfield's options at the minute. I know Kaito and Oxlade-Chamberlain are back in training, but they haven't got a, a run of games under the belt and, and we need Henderson in the middle of the park as much as possible. I thought today, Henderson at centre-back really worked. And the reason it really worked is because Fulham had zero ambition second half of getting at us. Um, so we were able to essentially just camp out in their half. And Henderson knows that, knows how to, to set a team up to do that, uh, having done that significant, like consistent, consistently. Excuse me. Uh, I haven't done that consistently for the last two seasons now. Um, just... Is there an argument to be made to, to put Nat Phillips in Matip's position long-term? Uh, and by long-term, I mean long-term this season. You know, Maybe we buy someone in January or maybe we buy someone in the summer. But if we can't trust Matip to be there week in, week out, can we not just get Nat Phillips into the side and say, come hell or high water, you're going you're gonna to play because we, we need a body that we can trust? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, you know, before the end of the year... We have uh, games against, I mean, I'll, I'll read this list again, uh, Tottenham, Palace, West Brom and Newcastle. So there's only four matches potentially to roll out one of the uh, reserve centre-backs, Nat Phillips, even Reese Williams, give him more of a go. Um, Brian, would you, I mean, what do you, what do you think? I mean, it's, we need to buy someone in January and, and we can just risk someone for the next four games? Yeah, I would definitely by somebody in January because um, uh, Matip going off tonight was just one one injury too many for me. It was just I was that was I just thought okay, we just as brilliant as he is, um, you know we've seen it we've seen it before with players especially defenders. Um, Degsy was like that. I think Degsy played six games in a row for like four years uh, for us. Uh, always picking up knocks, and Matup seems to be in the same kind of category. Um, uh, Ryan, what's the, the 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 lad, the young lads player? Ryan was it? Um, Reese Williams. Reese Williams. Reece uh, he's really he's mm. really impressed me. Um, uh, he has he has not looked phased at all, and and rarely put a foot wrong for me. Um, uh, similarly. Uh, Nat Phillips has done well as well. But yeah, I mean, either one of those, I'd be happy to, uh, you know, in, in the starting lineup. Um, and yeah, and I just think, I mean, we have to dip into the market because, you know, we at the beginning, I remember at the beginning of the season, we had this conversation. We were going through the, we were going through the squad and, and the big question was, we don't need a, we don't need a centre back, right? Surely we don't, right? We don't, we don't, we don't need to decide. We've got like 16,000 players who could play centre back. And then week after week, they just, there was like a sniper in the, in the, in the stands, just taking them out one by one. And, and now we're down to Hendo. <laughs> Hendo and Fabinho as our centre-back, that those, that famous centre-back pairing. <laughs> um, and, you know, we can get away with it against Fulham, um, but against the, the better sides, they'll, they'll, they'll exploit that. Um, so, I mean, those run of games that you described actually that sounds manageable. 
um, uh, if that's, I mean, I don't know, does the, does the window open up January 1st on the dot? Cause if it does, you know, I, I'd be like, get them, get them in a taxi, <laughs> like <laughs> New Year's Eve, have them coming on an Uber straight away. Uh, I, we definitely need some signings for sure, because there's, there's just no way we can continue to, I mean, I don't know. I don't think, I don't, I think it's too much to ask Matt Phillips or, uh, Reese Williams to carry carry a, a title uh, ambitions to uh, carry our title ambitions for a season so I, I i think that the clever move would be to get in um you know maybe an older player uh who uh you know ha- has a name and maybe one last big move uh for them that they can't resist and and, and get somebody like that in um just to just to um uh, clear up some some stop gaps you know just to kind of tide us over um um so yeah i definitely would like to see us uh, sign at least one center back um, in june and you'd pay the extra price on the uber the exorbitant new year's eve prices that they would charge okay brian you are desperate xl i would go xl i would just let them know that we mean business um, don't give them the fun you know the, the load get, go get a like a, a a tesla or something like that you know <laughs> roll, out, roll out the big gun wow that's how desperate brian is yeah i can i can understand that i mean it'd be it would be marvelous news if liverpool you know pulled off a you know the dream would be someone like david alabo can just sort of play in five of the injured positions we've got at the moment um but yeah uh, going back to the mats and fabinho in terms of stats he had uh, 91 percent passing accuracy 101 passes Joel Matip had 53 passes in his 45 minutes with 92.5% passing accuracy. Jordan Henderson had 110 passes in the game, only 83.6% passing accuracy, but then he was trying more, you know, the crazier stuff. Um, In terms of defensively, Jordan Henderson made two tackles, three interceptions and four clearances. Fabinho, three tackles, one interception and five clearances. And Joel Matip, when he was hobbling around with his... Bad back, the poor guy, uh, with two tackles, zero interceptions and four clearances. Um, but I thought Andrew Robertson, have, we praised him last week, Fergus, saying he was probably our player of the season because you get nines or tens um, every week from him. And then this week, this match, I should say, he he's, he's he looked... Yeah, knackered. He it was about a six out of ten in my book. For, for, what did you make of his performance? Andy Robertson is just—he's just turned into this world-class left back, you know, that came from Queens Park and Dundee via Hull City to Liverpool. Um, you know, as I said, I think in the last time I was on the podcast that. It, in in a way, it's, it's not really a surprise because he was a Scotland under twenty one captain. He was uh, the Scot the um, Scottish Premier League Young Player of the Year in his one year at Dundee. So you know he hasn't he hasn't come from nowhere, and he has be- but he has improved at Liverpool immensely, and he's now probably the best left back in the world. I mean, I don't watch that much. Um, that many foreign leagues, uh, so I don't know who's competing, um, but uh, he's def- definitely one of the best um, top three left backs in the world. Tonight, you know, I wouldn't put the blame so much on the full backs. I just thought Fulham were, were excellent 
in in every position tonight. I'll give them a hell of a lot of credit. They were really good. You know, I didn't really rate um, Parker as a coach that much, but uh, uh, because generally you get a lot of hype about the the English coaches because the English media needs some someone to hang on to, someone to pin their hopes on, you know, and they love to just you know promote an English coach whether it's Lampard or Parker or whatever but you know I thought they were really good tonight well coached they were really up for the game and um, they were they were all over us so collectively we were pretty poor Uh, Robertson didn't have his best game but didn't have the worst game on the pitch either so um, I'd like to give an honourable mention as well to Nico Williams he thought he came on and did well he had a, a, a very good start. I think I remember his debut for Liverpool it was excellent. He came in looking very confident. Then he had a, two or three games where he totally lost his confidence and was sending the ball backwards instead of forwards. But tonight he came on, filled in well. He's he's looking, you know, he's he's growing into the position. He's not Trent. He may never be Trent, but uh, he's a good backup, and you know, good luck to him. Um, I thought Minamino came on, came on and did well in a. He, he he presses very well. I'll give him that, but I don't really feel that he he feels that he belongs in that Liverpool side yet. He asks for the ball, but he doesn't demand it. You know, um, the difference when you look at um, the like the likes of of um, of Curtis Jones, he really does look like he belongs. He looks like he's been there for years. Whereas, whereas uh, Minamino just kind of, he, he's, he's got a bit of an um, uh, uh, inferiority complex, it looks like, on the field. But you know, I think Minamino does have the ability, but he just probably needs some, uh, some psychological backup, you know. He needs, needs to tell himself he's, he's, he's worthy of being there. Uh, we really miss Thiago at the moment. Um, Thiago would be an amazing backup. What's happened to him? Who knows? Could be COVID because they're very quiet about it. So it's it you know it could be an injury, but the injury seems to be weirdly um, kind of not not announced, not diagnosed publicly anyway. So who knows? It could be like a, a long a longish COVID. Who knows? Because he did have COVID. And the other thing we have to discuss tonight as well is the VAR. You know. It worked well for us on the penalty. I think that was a fair decision. That the guy did raise his elbow and, and block the shot. And um, but on the other hand, for the Fulham goal, yeah, there was a clearly a push on Salah. And why didn't they go back to it? You know, that's very strange to me. Um, I thought um, that one with Fabinho in the first half was um, was a penalty. I thought that we got away with one there. And uh, yeah, I th- it was it was it on Salah or, or Genie Vijnaldum out on the left where there was a push before uh, Fulham's goal. But I mean, to be honest, they deserved. It. I th- I, I just give them the goal. They, they deserved, deserved the it. goal. There was a push on Salah. The ball kit was cleared. Salah was was you know in going to get the ball, but he was shoved in the chest. Um, and then it came back out to was it Bobby Reed or someone who scored? Uh, but yes. Yeah, it was a fair, fair enough. Fulham did deserve did deserve a goal, but you know we we just we can't seem to get uh, the marginal decisions our our way in VAR. Maybe that's my Liverpool bias, 
But um, and and the penalty, the so-called Fabinho, the Fabinho tackle was an excellent tackle in the box, and Fabinho uh, does yeah. get risks in the box. Yeah, but for me, he makes contact. He makes contact with the 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 player's foot before he makes contact with the ball. No, I, I, I disagree, actually. I think he makes contact with the ball, and it's probably going to take about 10, 10 more slow-motion replays to work that out. But to my eyes, he makes contact with the ball. It depends which angle it is it's from, actually, and I think that's something that really helped us. That I mean, the main angle that they actually showed Andre Mariner when he went to the screen was not the right angle because there was another angle where it was actually clear that Fabinho did make contact with the foot before the ball. It, was, it, it wasn't the angle that they showed. It was sort of an angle looking diagonally from behind the, the, the goal. Um, I watched all those angles, Owen, and uh, my, my view, but I mean, everyone's eyes are different. I was listening to commentators who were saying, saying the same as you, but to my eyes... He made contact with the ball clearly, and but I mean that's the that's the, the fault of VAR, you know. I I don't like VAR. I don't agree with it. The game was better before it, and it's it's still subjective, even with all those camera angles. And that's really the point: is that it's not technology is not faultless, and it doesn't really improve things. Yeah, no, is it? I'm I'm I am someone who thinks that VAR should be used, but a lot less, a hell of a lot less. I think you should be allowed to do one call per half. Um, works a bit like cricket. The manager can, can make any call. So the manager could, could say, you know, you can look at the Salah incident, for example, before the goal. It doesn't matter when it happens, just one call per half. And if they're successful, they get to keep it. And if not, they lose it. But then still, there is still this subjectivity. But uh, yeah, it's 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 freaking crazy. But um, I want to talk about the positives. And Ryan, you're in Toxteth. Curtis Jones comes from Toxteth. Um, today, he had three shots. Two of them were on target. He almost scored the greatest goal. Um, it would be the, mar- uh, you know, almost a tribute, almost, to the marvellous Diego Maradona, R.I.P. Um, three shots, two on target, two key passes, three dribbles. Um, he was fouled three times. Um, you know, defensively, he made one tackle, two interceptions, one clearance. Um, who scored gave him 7.52 out of 10. I think they're being very harsh because in a game that was furiously difficult. Here's this 19-year-old uh, who got booked, of course, uh, quite early on, um, who had n- a 90 minutes to be absolutely proud of, didn't he? I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Really like Curtis Jones. I think his attitude is spot on to, to be a Liverpool player and be in this Liverpool team. Because obviously you have to be of such a high level just to get into the team. Um, but to, to be arguably, and, and for me, inarguably, our man of the match today, I was really impressed with him. Um, yeah, couldn't, couldn't praise him highly enough. Uh, I thought Mane was particularly poor. Which was surprising. I know we're talking about the positives. I'm just surprised that Mane had such a poor game. Um, Might need some further looking into. I thought Takumi Minamino, when he came off the bench, was brilliant. Uh, Very similar to the performance he put in 
uh, midweek against Midtjylland, where he was just all action, kept running at, at defenders and pressing people and trying to to do everything, anything he could to win the ball back. You know, if they've got the ball, then he's trying to you know get a toe in it, make them miscontrol. Uh, trying to, to make things happen. I thought there wasn't quite enough of that throughout the game. Uh, and, and Curtis Jones and Takumi Mino more than, than pretty much anyone, I felt, uh, tried to, to make something happen. And, and very, very nearly, you know, there's that run that he goes on, like you said, very nearly the goal of the season so far. There's a little ode to Maradona where he goes slaloming through about three or four full-on defenders. Could he have played it? Well, he could have, but I like that he took the option instead to to try and to score to try and score and, and try and get the winner for us. I thought Ariola actually had a really good game for Fulham. Uh, there, there are a couple of chances that he does really well with, um, particularly that one from Jones. And, and on another day, we're all talking about Curtis Jones match winner. Um, so he's a little bit unlucky that his efforts haven't haven't garnered a little bit more bang for their buck. But yeah, he's he's certainly something to be excited about going forward. I think he's going to be absolutely brilliant for us for, for many years to come. I'm a little bit... No, I'm not talking about negatives, I'm talking about positives. Uh, Mo scored again. Bobby looked great uh, in patches. Um, yeah, roll on Tottenham. You know, we have to just roll on under this one and move on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's um, I'm terrified about Mane. Um, it's I don't know. There's there was a, a, about five or ten minutes in the second half, Ryan. I'm going to stay with you because you mentioned it. Um, about five or ten minutes in the second half, or maybe maybe a bit longer, twenty minutes, where you could see that the zip was back, the electricity, that little you know Sadio Mane, um, unpredictable. The burst was there, even though he was being crowded out by three or four. Uh, defenders, he was still managing to wriggle through and it was like, yes, there he is. But for the other 70 minutes of the match, he looked a little bit, I don't know, like he's preoccupied. I believe it's no goals in seven games now for Sadio, the main man, Mane. And I don't know if I'm going to sleep before 5am, just laying, laying awake, just thinking about what can he do better. Um, I don't know. what am I, I, I don't know. Can you can you help me feel any better, or do you share my anxiety? I share in your anxiety, but I feel almost like I, I've. So here's my issue with this: you can't drop him. There's no one to bring in now. Jota's out injured, so he's essentially got to play his way back into form, and that might help him because he's very much. Uh, a mentality monster and if, if he knows that there isn't someone there I think he might actually benefit from that so we might see a better version of Mane against Tottenham and he is very much a big game player cast me mind back to, to Bayern Munich a couple of seasons ago and, and the performance he puts in there where he's utterly world class um, but I am worried about the form that we've seen from him recently I, I do wonder how he's going to get himself back into form but I have every single faith in the world that he will get himself back into form, start banging goals in again and, and start playing with that smile on his face. Because he, he did a lot of sort of throwing himself to the floor and, and trying to win a free kick. And I'm, I'm not being critical. I'm not calling him a diver either. You know, he's very much playing the game within the game um, that everyone's doing at the minute. 
well backing, if you will. Um, but I'd rather see him just running at people with a big grin on his face and, and banging goals in. And the snarl, Brian, the snarl. I, I didn't see it today. The Sadio snarl that I love so much, that that anger, that that um that sort of crazed desperation, Brian, to 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 to, you know, get that ball and absolutely hammer it towards that goal. Um I didn't I didn't see it, Brian. Um are you worried about Sadio? Um No, I'm not. I mean, I think uh, I might have been uh, uh, Fergus, you know, pointed out that uh, these guys have been traveling now for, what, six weeks, playing two games a week with uh, with a dwindling squad uh, whilst, you know, trying to navigate uh, the pandemic. I think we don't, I think enough, uh, people are not uh, putting enough stock in the whole situation with the pandemic as well because i don't know about you guys but like here in hong kong just doesn't matter what you do for a living everybody's feeling totally exhausted just from oh what's next you know how do we how we how are we going to get through this or you know when's things going back to normal so it's really mentally taxing um on on everybody and uh i don't think people are kind of taking that into account when it comes to footballers i mean i i personally think i've seen it in klopp's demeanor over the past two to three weeks he just looks like he's just pushing treacle up a hill (laughs) um i mean he obviously loves football um as we all do um and so when he's in the game his passion comes out but then you know the the, the great swaths of time in between the games, it's 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 tiresome and it's tedious. And I think, you know, um, in, no, in normal circumstances, then it's uh, reasonable to expect uh, this team just to be hungry and to be snapping at teams' heels every single game. But this is not a normal situation. We're not li- living through normal times. And uh, these guys are, you know, really doing the best they can um playing in empty stadiums and you know and all these kind of I, I can only imagine the amount of sanitary um uh safety uh, precautions they must go through every week um and you know there's just going to be some days that just doesn't click and they don't turn up um and uh, you know i've just mentioned uh numerous times on on, on this pod that uh, i have already mentally signed off on this is going to be this is going to be uh it's going to be nasty it's going to be you know hard it's going to be it's going to be we've we've all forgotten what it feels like to lose a game of football because <laughs> it just happens so rarely um and uh you know we're not used to bad performances but i think we're probably going to have to get used to it a little bit and there's going to be a couple of results like this one tonight where we don't get that penalty um, and that goal never comes and we're just going to have to suck it up um, and think along the lines that, look, as long as we're still in the fight, as, as long as we're, you know, in sniffing distance uh, to, you know, the title run uh, when it gets down to the business end of the season, then I think that's really, realistically, that's the best we can hope for. Um, and uh, there, there are going to be days where they're just not, they're not up for it. <laughs> and it just looked like that today. I mean, it looked like they were not up for it. 
at the, the front three were not up the, the middle of the pack for the most part, with the exception of Jones. Didn't look like they were up for it. And um and and that's our DNA. That is basically our that's uh, that's everything that is Liverpool, the, the this new Jurgen Klopp Liverpool team. It's like teams cannot cope with us. They can't handle us. That we're relentless. We're horrible. We're in their faces, and it, we don't give any team a time. When we when we're at our best, we don't give the other team time off, and they know it, and it they they start to crumble. And I think the second half of that game, that's when I thought, oh, you know what, we could possibly win this game now because I could just. I could just see it straight away. We were playing differently. There was more space. Whatever they did, whatever he did on the strategy side of things or the, or the tactics side of things, the, our players were finding more space. They were taking more chances. And I just knew that Fulham would start to panic or they'd get more nervous as the game went on. But but they're just going to be days when they turn up to like Southampton or somewhere like that. And they just don't, you know, they don't fancy. It. And we, we just can't carry too many players. And we were carrying five or six players today, not just Mane, but yeah, I mean, to get back to your original uh, question, I'm not worried about him, but he didn't look like he had this usual hunger today, which is unusual for him because he's probably the one player on the team, him and Robbo, that you could just hang your hat on. You, you just, every game he turns up, he's up for it, but they, they just looked like they had to really push through today and, and just find a way to make it happen and fair play they did in the end. They did in the end, yeah. One point then, we're all going to have to take it. And uh, as Fergus, you were saying earlier, I mean, it was, you do have to give Fulham a lot of credit. They were absolutely excellent. Um, Ariola's been mentioned as having a good game. Uh, and uh, you mentioned Anderson, very good. Yeah, very, very good performance. So well done. Well done to them. Um, Ariola, I mean, I don't know if people know, it is the pigmented area on the breast around the nipple. Like, uh, I do, do hope people know that. Um, but uh, anyway, let's move on. Um, away from nipples and into the next match against Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Fergus, um, Tottenham are on uh, a great run. Uh, Jose Mourinho's uh, never had an 11-match Premier League unbeaten run. Of course, he did at home with his Chelsea team, but in, in all matches, home and away, they're unbeaten in 11 Um Son looks amazing. Harry Kane is falling over all over the place, but he's winning the free kicks and then he's getting jammy goals here and there. But he's looking like a really good player with good vision. They look organised, hard to beat. They're coming to Anfield. Um, I'm nervous. And the last two matches I was nervous about, we won 4-0 and 3-0. Um, is the same thing going to happen uh, against Spurs? How are you feeling about it? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, I suppose um, it's nice to discuss nipples, but maybe we can just save that. Maybe I'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Instead, we'll talk about Tottenham and um, Mourinho. And he's such a, um, you know, Mourinho, he's the guy we all love to hate. And we know exactly how Tottenham are going to set up now and, and come over. They played that way against uh, Palace today. I was, um, as I said, I was really on, on, on a tightrope about the Liverpool match and uh, to such an extent whereby I was sitting at home watching the Tottenham match, which I wouldn't normally do because I normally try and find something else to do. Uh, but I sat at home and hoped Tottenham would lose. Uh, Palace did well. They came, I mean, Tottenham got the 1-0 lead and they sat on it. 
But from, from half-time onwards, Tottenham were basically just um, time-wasting. They, they stood over, you mean they're coached by Mourinho to do all of this. They stood over every free kick. They fouled in, in, in the opposition half. They just wasted time and spoiled, you know, they spoiled the match. And luckily in the end, well, not luckily because it seemed to be coming, the Palace had a whole bunch of, um, because Tottenham were fouling so much, uh, Palace had a whole bunch of free kicks and eventually they scored from one, you know. Benteke did well today. You know, he's an aerial threat. That's, he's pretty limited. But he did well and, and, and they got the goal. Um, and it was a 1-1. But it, that's, that's what you can expect from Mourinho. Mourinho is going to do that on, is it Tuesday or Wednesday night? I, can't, I don't know. But uh, when they come to Anfield, he's going to come. Uh, he knows that a draw will give them, will maintain them in first place because they have the better goal difference because of the, the Southampton game. So, uh, sorry, the, uh, the Villa game. Um, so he's going to come to Anfield. He's going to try and spoil. He's going to let Liverpool have the ball and he's going to be try to ex- exploit our centre-backs, whoever it might be, Henderson and Fabinho, whoever we have fit, and get Kane get Ali, uh, or not Ali, but um, uh, Son on the break. And uh, you know exactly what he's going to do. He's going to frustrate. He's that, um, he's that guy that you, that you love to hate. He's going to make life difficult. He's, he, he's coached his players. You know, I, I watched a little bit of that um, Tottenham Netflix documentary, but you can just see how he psychologically gets into his players' heads and makes them complete see star, 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 stars to, you know, into that type of players who you just don't want to come up against. And that's the type of players when they have to come up against Tuesday. You know, it's a, a long time ago, you know, and I've supported Liverpool, obviously, for a long time. And, uh, you know, it's the type of game where I think, as as Brian said, we're really going to have to tough out this season. If we're there or thereabouts at the end of the season, then, you know, happy days. Because of the injury crisis we've had, going into the season, I was very confident I was, that we would win the league. But um, right now, with the injury crisis, it's going to be difficult. And, you know, and Saturday and Tuesday now is a huge game. It's a huge game, you know. So... Um, so yeah, let's it see. Yeah, it's a huge, and you know we can't ask for much more as Liverpool fans. You know, considering how far Klopp has brought us, to be three, four years into the Klopp reign, four years now, and to be going into a huge game in a midweek night where it's a top of the table clash. You know, really, and the winner takes all at the end of this season, and um, it's a game that both. Both managers will will relish, uh, and um, and 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 let's see how it goes. And and we're in a, a reasonable position considering the injury crisis. So 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 um, let's see how it goes. Excellent stuff. Yeah, I mean you're absolutely right. Mourinho's going to come in. You know he's going to absolutely try everything, everything exactly like. 
you know, his Chelsea team from the 14-15 season, 13-14, that season when we finished second anyway, the one that I've pretty much blanked out. But I do remember how in the fourth minute, um, you know, the, the Chelsea goalkeeper was wasting time, should have got a yellow card, but didn't because it's Mar- it was Martin Atkinson as the referee. And the referee, I think, Ryan, is going to have a very big... Uh, impact on this game because he'd have to be very strong a lot stronger than Kevin Friend was today because Kevin Friend was the referee for Crystal Palace against Spurs and I watched it too Um, and every single time a Spurs player somebody brushed up against a Spurs player likely they flopped to the floor uh, like a like a like a seal um, when you put chloroform on a seal's mouth, they flopped down like that. And, um, you know, Tottenham are going to try absolutely everything. Mourinho will be desperate and they'll try and piss us off. And we have to rise above it and hopefully um, be much more of the second half of today's performance than the first half of today's performance. How are you feeling about it, Ryan? You're spot on. Um you know, I cast my mind back to that 13-14 season and, and you're quite right, Chelsea coming specifically to spoil the game. Um, I think we need to learn lessons from that. I think we need to learn lessons from Crystal Palace today playing Tottenham because regardless of who the referee is, VAR being as it is, it, it plays very much into Mourinho's tactics of, of as a man touched you. And I'm not a fan of this anymore of going, is the contact? Well, it doesn't matter if there's contact. The question is, is there enough contact to, to justify the player being put out of their rhythm enough to go down? And and there's a separate issue there of whether the, the player's being put out of their rhythm enough and then it's going down to demonstrate to the referee. But, you know, you look at various decisions that have gone against Liverpool this season and... and it's a case of I'll throw myself on the floor because there is contact and then we'll see if VAR gives us something I'm not as much of a fan of that. But that being said, VAR's going nowhere, certainly not in time for Wednesday. Um, so we need to be very prepared for Chelsea tactics at Tottenham or Mourinho tactics at Tottenham, I guess. Um, I think the, the, there's always an issue with these massive games in that Mourinho prefers to, to must not lose them, if you like, and and then be a flat-track bully for the rest of the season. So I think there's two things to, to keep an eye on here if in relation to Liverpool's title challenge. One, who wins this Wednesday in the top of the table clash? Is it going to be us or is it going to be Tottenham? But the second thing, and I always find this the most important, I certainly found it most important when we played City last season, is how do the two teams react to it? Which of the two teams is going to drop points first? Because I think if we win at the weekend, uh, sorry, in the midweek, and then we we also go on something of a run or of an unbeaten run, even if it's not a completely winning run, if we go on an unbeaten run and Tottenham slip up first, that's massive in terms of the title race. And I think the Liverpool players will know that they have that experience from winning the league last season, whereas Tottenham players might not. Um, so I'm. I'm Curious to find out what happens next because obviously, even if the players aren't all experienced, Mourinho very much is. Yeah, very good answer. Um, yeah, but I mean, the thing with the title race for me is that you know, as I said before, there are five points between 
uh, nine teams, uh, assuming City and United win their games in hand. Um, and that's that's crazy. That's that's we haven't seen that for a while. But there's only twelve games gone. Um, Brian, how are you feeling about Tottenham on Wednesday night? Um, apprehensive is <laughs> uh, the word. I don't like playing Mourinho and or whoever he's managing. Um, and uh, he has, yeah, he's got his Mourinho stamp on that team. Um, so yeah like he he seems to have made a career out of just pissing in our tent <laughs> um so if anybody could uh cause an upset in at anfield it's him um i think we're gonna need to be we're gonna need to show our teeth in that in that game we're gonna have to um uh out out I don't know, out muscle or out dirty tactics then, because they will be, it, it's not just, um, it's not just diving on the floor. They, I, 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 I think they're a quite a dangerous team. They put in a lot of filthy challenges and Harry Kane more so than any, he, he does, he has some pretty, uh, underhand tactics, uh, quite dangerous play. Um, and he seems to be dropping um, into the middle of the pitch, picking up the ball, and the two uh, wingers are bombing on. Seems to be a tactic they'd be using quite a lot. So I think um, obviously we're going to have to shut the supply down to him, but I think he's going to, somebody's going to have to pick him up and give him quite close attention and not allow him just to drop back into the middle of the pitch grab that first ball and just knock it on because that's the only tactic that they have. It's like, you know, he could be Drogba. <laughs> yeah, it's like the world has moved on except for Mourinho. Um, I'm just trying to see who is fit for that game. Um, I, 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 I seen whilst you guys were talking that Klopp has basically said that uh, Matip's uh, injury may, may not be too bad and he might be actually available for that game. But, uh, you know, it's a big, big game, big, big game. And I'm glad it's at Anfield. So we'll all have to get our game face on the crowd at the stadium, uh, which, you know, last last week, it was absolutely amazing. They made such a noise and the fans were all going to have to get uh, ahead in the game and it's going to be huge. And we're just going to have to go at them from from whistle one from the first second of that game right through to the end is going to have to make it horrible for them um and uh, not play into his hands and whatever 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 game he wants to play let's not let him play that game um and let him let them make play our game on that day but to answer you know your original questions i'm 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 apprehensive about that game and it, it's not because like in normal circumstances if we had a full squad or even if we had I don't know, 75%, um, then I would say, look, you know, we're just going to, we're just going to win, but we, we, we don't have that. And so it'll be interesting to see how both teams, uh, line up. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I haven't been really following Spurs' injuries or, or squad. What's, what's their squad looking like at the moment? Uh, it's basically fine, as far as I can tell. I thought Elder Vireld would be out until at least Christmas, but he's already he, he was on the field today. Um, I I don't know. Mourinho is wisely avoiding Deli Ali, who's fit but doesn't start, which is always bad news for us, but uh, good news for Tottenham fans because uh, you know they don't need him really. 
Bergvine's better on the wing and uh, you know in midfield they've got you know when you consider they they were lining up just a year ago with Winks and Ali in midfield and now they've got Hoiberg who's Hoiberg excuse me who's been absolutely terrific as a defensive midfielder for them absolutely brilliant signing and uh, you know they've changed the tactics around as uh, you know Ryan was saying with Kane dropping deeper and the and the wingers uh, you know cutting inside um, it's it's they're looking really good, Brian. It's it, it's the thing like we could, uh, you know, they could. The only thing I would say is that they also have a lot of games in their legs, um, you know, and then they've got the joy of Thursday night football as well. Yes, and today's game as well was very was very very intense for Tottenham. The one one draw with with Palace, and that could help us. And also, they're playing. Uh, Leicester City after us uh, on Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon, and then they've got Wolves, uh, then they got Fulham, then they got Leeds. Uh, it doesn't look like, you know, it's going to be very easy for them until the new year, either. Um. Yeah, well, yeah. Despite all the you know reasons to be fearful, I'm still looking forward to it. As you said, the fans back at Anfield. We've got five wins out of five at Anfield this season. Um, it's going to be an absolute corker. Um, so just very quickly then, uh, because I didn't get all of your votes exactly, Ryan, you said Curtis Jones was the man of the match from, from today. And I would agree with you. I, I also think Curtis Jones was the man of the match, followed by um, possibly Fabinho. Um, yeah, they were my two. But yeah, Curtis was, was the standout player for us. Um, what about you, Fergus? Yeah, likewise. I'll give it to uh, to Curtis. I thought Henderson was brilliant again. Amazingly, H- Henderson, for someone who's now turned 30 years old, has actually, before our very eyes, has evolved into a technically better player. I remember when he was about 26, 27, I say, why the hell doesn't he turn with the ball? He'd always play the ball the way he was facing. But now he just always has more time on the ball. He dictates the play. He's not the most beautiful, gifted, um, and graceful player that, we, that, that I've ever seen. But, uh, you know, just how he's moved on technically is, is a credit to him. Henderson was great today. Fabinho was good. But Curtis, I'll say, gets man of the match. He's such a gifted player. Beautiful player to watch. Um, he just um, he fits not just into the team like it, like it, like the right um, uh, um, jigsaw piece, but almost psychically he fits into the team because he's such a good player that we all know watching Curtis. And I know Owen used to watch a lot of the under 23s, under 21s, and under under 18s. Curtis was a bit of a maverick, you know. He could play wide left, he could play wide right. Generally, he was a very attacking player. But he, he's just psychically fitted into that midfield three, which he's watched, you know. He's watched it for two or three years, and he's seen that you can't be that maverick who's always going forward. And you just have to sometimes just play the simple pass and be in the right place at the right time to stop the breakaways, cover the fullbacks who are going forward. And he's doing all of that. But, I mean, he's only pay, playing at 60, 65% of his potential right now. So, you know, 
you know, let's look forward to Curtis and that whole career ahead of him. But I mean, what I also want to say just before we ha- we um, cut off is that I'm really looking forward to the Spurs top top of the table clash. You know, I'm if I can swear on the podcast, I'm totally fucked off with Man City and watching Man City over the last four, five, six, seven, eight years. You know, they can they can just go fuck right off. And it's great to see someone like Spurs. We don't like Mourinho. You know, he's that he's the villain in the movie. He's the guy on the, um, you know, coming up to Christmas pantomime. He's the guy who comes on stage that everyone boos, apart from the few people who like him. So he, he's, the, he's, the, he's the pantomime villain. He's coming into Anfield on, on, um, in, in midweek. And it's, and, and it's just marvellous, 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 marvellous to see Liverpool against Tottenham as a top-of-the-table clash. And we're not seeing Man United. We're not seeing Man City. We're not seeing Arsenal. We're seeing Liverpool and Tottenham, you know. You know, that's great to see. Uh, Another couple of points. I think this, if Klopp wins the title this season, if Liverpool win the title this season, if Klopp wins it, it'll be a greatest ever achievement as a manager because of the injuries, you know, because of the pandemic. Just looking at his face, I think he's falling out of love uh, with football, as we all are slightly. You know, we're getting jaded by the VAR, we're jaded by the pandemic, the lack of fans, we're jaded by the injuries. And I'm sure that they're jaded by 21 games in 10 weeks or whatever. It's, it's ridiculous the amount of games they've got to play. And I wouldn't blame Flop. He must be 55 now if he decides to retire after this. Get this season over with. Let's hope he stays until 2024. But I mean, really, 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 it's a very, very tough time for everyone in football. Players, managers, coaches and fans. It's very hard and we can't underrate that. Um, so, and, and, and finally... You're absolutely what I want right. To say, yeah. So, um, so, you know, finally today, you know, the credit goes to Fulham. Well done to Fulham, you know. Players a brilliant game today. Congratulations. They drew 1-1 with the champions. They deserve to draw. So well done to Fulham. Yeah, but yeah, beautifully said. Beautifully said. I mean, you mentioned Man City and, uh, you know, you swore. And um, I heartily approve. You know, sometimes it's... It's worth swearing, you know, speaking as an English teacher, sometimes you could say, you know, those silly billies of Manchester City doesn't really count it. They are dickheads. Um, And they are looking at the table. They have scored the fewest amount of goals in any team in the top half of the table. In fact, including Crystal Palace. They've played one game Fewer than Crystal Palace, but they've only scored 17 goals in 11 matches, Manchester City. And people are still talking on TV as if they are, you know, it's just a matter of time before they click and they go on a big run. But I've been saying it all season, they are miles away. Around about ninth is about right for them. I imagine they will will get up to sixth or fifth. Yeah. If I may interrupt, Owen, I think that um, Guardiola seems to have lost his nerve. Okay, he signed a new contract and all of that. But a bit like Man United, they're starting to fall off the edge of my consciousness as a team that we should worry about, you know. Um, Guardiola started playing a 4-2-3-1. He started turning into a bit of a Mourinho, actually, and going for, like, safety first. So, you know... 
and, and that's why I really welcome this top of the table clash against Spurs on Wednesday night. It's great to see some new faces uh, competing for the title. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Guardiola. I mean, even his team. They, when they go one goal down, they or you know, they 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 look at each other mystified as if how can this happen to us? Horrible attitude. I hope that Liverpool never develop it, but I don't see them. I don't see us uh, developing that kind of thing under Kloppo. But um, Brian, um, back to today. Who was your who was your man of the match? Is it a clean sweep for Curtis? Uh, it is, it is, and can I just join uh, in Fergus's uh, sentiments and say Man City can go fuck themselves, uh, <laughs> and so can Kyle Walker. He can, uh, he can do one, and Raheem Sterling with his silly haircut, he can also go whistle. Uh, I definitely give it to Curtis. He was brilliant, and that Jesus, that run he did. Um, he ran through the entire team, and God, if he could have scored that goal, how how sweet that would have been. And can I make a special mention to, for a player that I've I've stuck up for all the time, even though you've given him a hard time many times. Nico Williams, young Nico Williams, how exceptional was he uh, today when he came on? And I think people just need to be a bit more patient with young players, you know, and just realize that you know they they're working out the kinks. So. You know, maybe you can think about that. Oh, next time Nico gives the ball away. And you- Absolutely, yeah. I'm so sorry that I was uh, I was uh, berating him a couple of games ago, and uh, you quite rightly defended him. So well done. We all we all make mistakes. Um, uh, no, no. Curtis Jones, <laughs> brilliant. And I think what uh, what everybody is pointing out about Curtis Jones, which is really encouraging, is he really doesn't look out of place amongst the senior players. You know, he and the managers said that quite a few times. And you can just see it the way he holds himself and the way he carries himself. He 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 looks like a man out there, which is just amazing because he's he's such a kid. He's so young, um, and uh, the players trust him, the fans trust him, the manager trusts him, and he is now a Liverpool. You know, he's made it. I think. I mean, obviously, his his you know he, he's still got a huge amount of improving and growth and all that, but I you know. He has won us over and he's one of us. And, and I don't think we're going to see him going out on loan or being sold. He's going to be around for a very long time. And he's such an exciting talent, you know. So he's going to be the next big thing, I think. And uh, and long may it continue. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, just, you know, Curtis Jones, the unanimous man of the match. I've got a few stats in front of me. Um, he's going to turn 20 <laughs> on January the 30th. Um that was his sixth Premier League appearance um, of the season. He's played four times in the Champions League. So basically, he's played ten times for Liverpool. Uh, you could discount all the cameos and stuff in previous seasons. This is when he's been needed uh, to be important. And um, not only is he stepping up, he's really excelling. And uh, we can all be excited about that. Um, so thank you very much. Does anybody else have, have anything else to add, or is this uh, is this over like Manchester City's title challenge? I feel like I need to distance myself from the the previous comments about Man City, because whilst I do okay. have identified some problems there, I think they're going to go one of two ways. Either this is the evolution of Pep, and he does become a little bit more pragmatic in the team, and which makes the Man City side a little bit less fragile. Because the one thing that they really, really are great at doing is absolutely walloping teams. But you'll find that 
they've got that little bit of a glass jaw sometimes when they go a goal behind. They don't have the resilience that we have, and that's ultimately why we won the league last season when they didn't. You know, they they go out and put teams to 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 they, they put teams to bed and win like five or six nil and stuff. Like three weeks on the bounce, but then they'd lose a game, and we wouldn't lose any games. Um, so I think this could be a, a bit of a an evolution of Man City, or y'all could be right, and we could just be fuck Man City, and that'd be great. But I'm not quite willing to write them off yet, particularly with them being provisionally two or three points behind, as if they win their game in hand. It's too early in the season. I know we've played 12 games, but the, this has been such an abnormal season. It's too early to write anyone off yet, apart from Man United. They're shite. They can go and fuck themselves. Um, yes, again, well said. Well said. Um, with, uh, you know, especially with the swearing, they can go and fuck themselves. Um, looking at under, under stat, who do have the XG table, they've got lots of XG statistics that you can check out their website is very good um liverpool are at the top of the goals scored uh xg sorry xg4 you know uh with uh, 24.92 xg from 12 matches then it, it's chelsea in second place everton oddly in third um leeds united in fourth and and city are in fifth and if you compare that to previous seasons, City were always miles ahead with XG. And I've got a problem, I always have had a problem with XG, that I don't think it's... I mean, you know, you need to add your qualitative analysis to that, you know, quite a lot of it. It doesn't tell you all that much, but it does tell you that they're creating fewer big chances. And it's very interesting uh, to see that, because, yes... At the back, they've definitely tightened up. And I believe the game against Manchester United was a club record. Fifth or sixth clean sheet in a row, something like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's gone all Mourinho, as you said. He's gone all, I, prefer, I would call him sort of the Spanish Hodgson, personally. Uh, but just with, uh, you know, uh, each player costing 50 million at least. But, yeah, we will see how well the Spanish Hodge does as we move forward um thank you very much thank you very much to brian thank you very much to fergus and thank you very much to ryan as well thank you guys it's been a real pleasure uh have a great evening uh month uh you know year until we speak again thank you very much thank you, thank you very much